As you uh, might have gathered, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at what is, what is often called the Lord's Prayer, although it's more accurately described as the model prayer. But So this is a continuation of a study of what we believe. Last week we looked at Scripture. We looked at what we believe about Scripture and how God has revealed himself to mankind through Scripture. This morning we're going to look at God. Now I'm going to read you the, the article. It's Article 2 from the Baptist Faith and Message. And, and by the way, on the back wall there, you'll see some of these. Grab one if you'd like, and you'll have the sermon outline for the next several weeks. <laughs> because I'm just using this as my outline. Article 1, or I'm sorry, Article 2 says there's one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing. And his perfect knowledge extends to all things past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. To him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. And then Article A there that we're going to look at today, God the Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude toward all men. So let's kind of look at the, the main points of this article first. It says, first of all, that God cares for us. He cares for all of his creation. It says that he directs history for his desire, his will, his purpose. It says that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. And it says that God is our Father, Father in truth, it says, through faith in Christ. So let's read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. It is up here behind me. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses." So let's, let's look first at the, at the context of, of this. The, the bigger context is this is in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And, and the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching his disciples. So it, it's actually not teaching for all of mankind. At the very beginning of, of chapter 5, it says Jesus went up the mountain, sat down, and his disciples gathered around him. So, so the, the Sermon on the Mount is more teaching for disciples of Jesus. <clears throat> and that's the larger context. This is about halfway through or so. It starts in, in, in chapter 5 and goes on through in chapter 7. And now, in this particular section, he's, he begins teaching on how to pray. In fact, he starts out in, in, verse, uh, in verse 5 or so, he starts out on how not to pray. Don't pray like this guy. Pray like this guy. So he, he starts out with instruction on how to pray. And then, and then just prior to what he has to say here, just prior to what we know as the Lord's Supper, or, or I'm sorry, the Lord's Prayer, or, or the model prayer, or the disciples' prayer, just prior to this, in verse 4, he says, your father knows, I'm sorry, in verse 8, he says, your father knows what you need before you even ask. And then he goes on to this teaching. And then after this, he talks about uh, how to fast, and then he talks about how, how your possessions, how to make sure that your possessions don't possess you. And, and, and he goes on in, in teaching from there. So let's look at kind of the main points of the message. God cares for us. God cares for us. Jesus not only instructs us to call God Father, he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. So he tells us to, to pray as, as God is our Father. But he also, in verse 11 tells us that God wants, uh, desires our daily needs be taken care of. God, is care, God cares about our daily needs. Give us today the bread we need today. Now, I would add verse 11 to this because I think forgiveness is needed every day, too. Bread, food of some kind, is needed for our survival physically. Forgiveness is needed for our survival spiritually and emotionally and socially and mentally. It, it is the rest of our, our, our being, really, that requires forgiveness. God desires us to have a good life. He wants us, he, he's concerned about our everyday needs, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, social. He, he is... He is concerned about our everyday needs. He wants us to have a good life. In fact, in, in his letter to the Galatians, Paul says that he has given us, by the Holy Spirit, he's given us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He's given us all that we need to have a good life. So God cares for us. He cares for us enough that he wants to provide for all of our needs not just our physical need, but our spiritual and emotional and, and social and mental needs. God cares for us. Then it says God directs his will or directs history for his will. This is the part, honestly, that I think we fight against the most because we don't want God's will in our life. We want our own will. We want to do things our way. We want to decide what's right and what's wrong for us. It's been that way since Adam and Eve, and we, we haven't changed. We still desire to, to, 
to decide for ourselves what's good for us. But God directs all of human history for his purpose and his will. We just, uh, we just celebrated Christmas. And we, we didn't really talk about Caesar Augustus much, but Caesar Augustus calls for a, a census that requires everyone to go to their, their hometown of the tribe they're born in. That's what brings Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem where Jesus has to be born according to, to Isaiah and Micah. And so God literally is using the ungodly for his purpose and his will. God moves history for his purpose and his will. Now, let's get more personal because God also is directing your life. He's directing your life for, for his desires, his will, his purpose, and for your own good. God always wants the best for you. And so he directs human history, including yours, for his will. We talked last week when we, were, when we talked about Scripture, we talked about how Scripture literally gives us the very beginning and the very end. So we know God's in charge from before the world was created to when it's done. We know the whole story. God has moved human history for his purpose from the very beginning. Then it says God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. How could he how could he move history? How could he direct history for his purpose if he was not? How could he do the things that he must do if he was not? In fact, I would submit to you that if he isn't all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-wise, then he isn't God. Because only God can be. You know, the, the, the first five words of the Bible are, in the beginning God created. That sets out a completely different worldview. That sets out that in the first five words of the Bible, we know that God pre-existed creation because in the beginning, it's not the beginning of God, it's the beginning of what we know. It's the beginning of creation. So we are set, we are, or we are immediately set with the eternal God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-loving God from the first five words of the Bible. I'll say again, if, he, if God is not all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving, then he isn't God. If he's not. And then it says God is our Father through faith in Christ. Again, notice who Jesus is talking to here. He's talking to his disciples. He's teaching his disciples, pray then like this. Now, I didn't mention this in the context, but, but Jesus very specifically says, pray then like this. And so this is a model prayer. This isn't, this, he doesn't say, pray this. So it's not a, 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 a ritual that we have to follow. It's not that you must pray these words so many times a day like so many other religions and, and belief systems. It is pray like this. Look at the elements of this. And so 
Jesus is teaching his disciples, pray in this manner. Pray like this. John 1.12 tells us, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. And of course, it's speaking of Jesus. Jesus, faith in Christ, makes God our Father in truth. Now, again, we're not, we're not excited about this concept because we like to think that God is Father of everything. And this verse tells us that through faith in Christ, God is our Father. Now, the article uh, says that God is fatherly to all mankind. doesn't say, so this, this verse doesn't say that God doesn't care for all mankind. He does. It doesn't say that he doesn't care for all of his creation, but only those who call themselves Christian, only those who have come to faith in Christ can call God Father. Now this also can be a tough statement because frankly calling God Father for many in our culture is a bad thing because too many, too many fathers have given us uh, the wrong view of God. Too many fathers have, have been abusive or they've been alcoholic or they have been, whatever it may be, they have not shown us a good picture of a father. And so calling God father for some people is very hard. But I want you to understand that, that God is perfect. He is the perfect father. He's the perfect model of a father. Don't we have the expectation that a father will always work for the good of his children? That he will work, that, that he will be loving, that he will be wise, that he will be, that he will know, and, and, and that he, he would use everything he can for the betterment of his children. That's our expectation of a father, and I think that comes from the perfect father that Jane was talking about before, the perfect father, our father God. That expectation shows that we know there's a greater father. We know there's a perfect father. So no matter wh whether you had a good father or not, you had a father that tried hard, he was still a, a, a selfish, sin, sinful man. He was, and he is. We have the perfect father, and he's in heaven. And because of all of this, we get, so many have the wrong view of God. And the wrong view of God leads to the wrong view of everything. If you, maybe you've seen God as, as kind of a spiritual cop trying to catch you at doing something wrong so he can punish you. That's a wrong view of God. Maybe you've seen God as, as aloof and, and, and yes, maybe he created everything, but he's just not that interested now. He's, he's in heaven someplace and he's just not interested and, and intimately involved in my life. That's a wrong view of God. And if you have a wrong view of God, you will have a wrong view of yourself. You will not understand who you are unless you know who God is. Because who you are is based upon who God is. God created you. So the, the God of the Bible, 
God that's being described here is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-wise. That's the God of the Bible. That's the true God. The God that is. Now, sometimes we frankly want a God that's different. We want a God that does stuff we want him to do, right? We want sort of a, the Israelites went through this in, in history. It was sort of, they turned God into a forgiveness vending machine. You know, you insert a lamb and out comes forgiveness. And, and so they, they just, they turn God into what they want him to be. This is the God of the Bible. This is the true God. The God that is all-powerful and all-knowing. The God that cares for you. The God that directs human history, including yours, for your best and his purpose. The God that's all-loving, that has literally died for you. This is the God of the Bible. A right view of God, the, 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 a biblical view of who God is, is critical to our faith. And it's critical to understanding who we are. Because there's so much that is wrong in our society about their view of God. We need to get our view of God from Scripture. We need to get our view of God from here. An understanding of the God that cares for you. The God that is all-loving and all-knowing and all-wise all-powerful, the God that, that loves you, that's the God of the Bible. That's the God we have here. You know, in Romans, Romans chapter 1, Paul tells us that, there's, that no, one is, no one has an excuse because the, the invisible attributes of God can be seen in creation all around us. There's a, uh, there's a philosopher that said that the danger is not in whether or not there is bread. The danger is in convincing yourself you're not hungry. Why turn that to this discussion? The danger is not that there isn't enough evidence that, uh, that this God exists. The danger is in deciding you don't need him. We need to know God in order to know ourselves. We need to know God in order to understand our life. We need this God, the God of the Bible. Do you need to take a step of faith toward God today? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider this question. Do you know this God, the God that I have been describing here? Do you have a wrong view of God? Have you convinced yourself that you don't need God? This is the God of the Bible, the God that is. And we can know him through Jesus Christ. We come to know him in simple faith in Christ. He becomes our father through simple faith in Christ. You can take a step of faith toward Christ this morning. We first acknowledge that we have sin in our life. God, I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. 
I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus died for me. And that he died so that I can have God as my father. So I ask you to forgive me for my sin. And I ask you to make me a child of the Father. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor and let them know. Do you have the right view of God? Is this the God you know? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that, that you are the God that cares for us. You are the God that is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving and all-wise. You are our God. And in Christ, you are our perfect Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.